Oh man, we are back and we are better than ever. This is the Council Connection. I am your host, Baby and Vixen. We are back for season four. And on this hot episode, we're going to be talking about some new some changes with me this year. We're also going to be delving into needs assessments, the definition of needs assessments, and what should be on your needs assessment, depending on your demographic that you're building. We're also going to briefly talk about the Council of Keys evaluation for Georgia. Of course, we're going to have my housekeeping items, and we're going to have my final thoughts on black quarterbacks and comprehensive school council programs. You saying what? Man, you talking that Tom Fuller again. Like, it's going to fit. Just stick with me. Just stick with me. I thought I was going to be a hodgepodge, but it's not. So, if you want to listen to the podcast, thank you. And you know what I'm about to say. Let's go. in my state, uh, which is Georgia, are starting this week. Some might be starting the week after next, which will be the 8th, I believe, 8th of August. But a good bit of schools are about to kick off their new year this week. Um, of course, when you come to a new year, you have pre-planning where you meet your new staff members if you have a lot of turnover or post um, being promoted to various positions like the academic coach or a counselor or they're going to administration or if you lose an administrator to a principalship or they're transferring to another school to get varied experience or even your council department getting a new council because they want to transition to a different challenge or they're retiring or being promoted as well so you have a lot of moves and transition going on uh, with myself i am being transitioned to seventh grade this year um I did, I did seventh grade my first couple of years at Appleton Middle School, so I'm familiar with seventh grade and the things I've done to help that grade level be successful. So it's not going to be a challenge per se, but it's going to be it's going to be something that I've done before, and I'm going to leave it at that to where I'm in seventh grade. Uh, but no matter what grade level you are in, whether you're in K through five, K through eight, seven through twelve, nine through twelve. 7 through 12, 8 through 12, no matter what grade level you are in, you will always need to create a needs assessment. If I had to give you a definition of a needs assessment, I'm going to read it right here online. So that way, you know exactly what it is. So this will be beneficial to those first year counselors or counselors who are trying to guide their program based on a, a need of data or need a need of information to see where their program is lacking and where they can assist in closing those gaps. And the school counseling needs assessments, a survey completed by students, parents, teachers, and or administrators to offer a data-informed direction for a comprehensive school counseling program, which means we are trying to find out what we lacked last year and where can we grow. If you go to an article by April Meganson and 
R. Paul Maddox, the second on October, the 18th, October 2018. This is one of the ways you upload, upgrade your program. You ask very demographic, very varied demographic questions. Um, you talk about students' gender or ethnicity, if they're free to lose much, if they're gifted Esau special needs, so forth and so on. So that way you know the demographics of your school. This will be a good place also for this needs assessment to find out what students might might be uh, non-binary or transgender or whatever their their pronouns are. So part of the needs assessment kind of one is confidential. You will have the results on it. I know last year for myself, I did it with my eighth grade students, and out of the, we had close to 400 eighth graders and 300 responded on the on the needs assessment. So that's 75% of the population. Now that out of those 300 students, 10 of them actually answered they want to go by a different pronoun, and that guided me. And when I spoke to them and you know had discussions and made them more comfortable as far as how to talk to them. And one thing about that. I, we'll get to in just a second is it's powerful data to let those kids know like I feel like I can talk to my counselor because he he or she respects my pronouns and that's one of the things we need to make sure we do as counselors we're supposed to be a trustworthy group of people that our students come to and one way to build trust with our students is to make sure we use that data when we talk to students say hey my uh, Johnny goes by Jane and he used they, them, or she, her, or hers, or uh, Leo goes by he, him. That's a way to build trust with, with your students, knowing that you respect that their, their gender is being noticed by you and teachers. That's going to be a harder sell with teachers, and it also needs grace when you talk to um, from the students and the parents so that teachers can get used to that. It can be a difficult thing to do to make sure that we continuously use the right pronouns. It can be difficult, the right name or nickname. But, I mean, there's ways around it, but we don't want to go off into gender identity on this podcast. We're just, I'm just using that as a, as, a, as a point of reference for my needs assessment. So, of course, we the best time to do your needs assessment is the beginning of the year within the first three weeks of school. You want to make sure that when you do your needs assessment, you try to try to conduct it with your parents at open house. That'll be the best time to do it. You can send it to parents through an email blast. Uh, best way to get is to get some data from parents on, um, on open house. Try this one, but that's my plan for my seven right parents to ask some questions as far as the top three things they want their child to approve on, things they want us to help them with. And then talk about some areas where they might need some assistance for for uh, collaborative growth as far as um, how to use parent portal, how to use SLDS, how to make sure my child is on task with grades, how can I help with, with their grades, what kind of options for tutoring, social emotional wellness, those type of things. That's what I would ask the parents. Um, for the students, I would ask them things that they know they need improvement on social skills, time management, conflict resolution, cyberbullying, bullying, uh, internet safety, study habits, so forth and so on. And teachers, 
the same questions I would ask them as far as the students. Once I get that data, I could cross-reference the top three items, top four items on those these assessments and make sure that those things are, are similar or exact and I've got my seventh grade program for that year. Now, of course, your school council department should use the exact same questions. That would be great. If not, you, you can still still use that data for your grade level because every grade level is going to have a different need. Sixth grade, how to open lockers, transition to middle school, how to study, how do I get better at taking more than four classes. Seventh grade, how do I make sure I'm trying to self-advocate for myself and grow into my own individualized personality. Eighth grade, how do I get ready for high school? What options are there for me for college, dual enrollment, so forth and so on. Um, time management, technology, more so into um, cyber, cyber bullying or those type of things can be answered on various grade level needs assessment. And you can crosswalk those items from six to eight to build your comprehensive program for the year and have different levels of or core curriculum where it could be pathway you could do a pathway core curriculum for instance we know bullying is a is a big topic we'll use that as an example here let's say bullying was number one across all three grade levels with students and parents and sixth grade we'll talk about um what's the difference between um bullying and being mean you should learn this elementary school but that could be an issue they dealt with at their at the few schools that could be number one for six, sixth grade but in seventh grade we could talk about how the different types of bullying with um cyber bullying or so forth and so on and in eighth grade we could talk about social media as far as uh body shaming that sort of thing you could you see those three different ways you can actually pathway your core curriculum that's just one example with with bullying you could do that with um college preparedness you could talk to students sixth grade you could do advisement seventh grade you could start doing college tours eighth grade you talk about dual enrollment that's a pathway for your core for your core curriculum based on needs assessments so that is something that can be done in a counseling program of course if you have you know you're in a building where you have over a thousand students you have three counselors you discuss the data if it's, if it's good data, you could go ahead and crosswalk all those things into your constant program and get started on how to grow your program and close those gaps for students. Of course, how you would you phrase your questions? And of course, need to be grade level specific or universally specific or universally layered in your verbiage. To, so that way, all parents and all students are, are able to understand what you are talking about. So you want to make sure that everything that you're doing in the needs assessments understood by parents, students, and teachers. And for me, once I get the data for the, for the lessons, I will see what lessons I already have already on deck. I will make sure that I have it. If not, I make sure I give myself enough time to plan the lesson and go ahead and create it and put a date on when I want to do it. Of course, the top, the, the top item, you want to take care of that immediately or as soon as possible. Some things like say for eighth grade, you're doing a transition plan. You can always wait to January or December to do those do that one because that's going to be a, be a non-negotiable because they need to be ready for high school. Uh, if you work with your high school as far as 
registration to IGPs, which is individual graduation plans, you want to try to do that in December, January. So that way, when the high school comes to visit and talk about registration for their for their electives, they're already aware of the electives. They've seen them. They want to talk to their parents about what they want to take. They 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 discuss it, have the ones they want to select, and when the high school comes, they're ready to go and take what they want to select. Um, that's just for me the basics for needs assessments, and you know that's simple enough. I know it seems like it seems like a lot, but it's really not. Once you in the habit of doing needs assessment every year, it's like clockwork. You could just tweet the questions or tweet the responses based on you know. If nobody responded to, I want to learn about, you know, parent portal or how to use my SLDS, you know, you can filter that off of there and just um, use it as a parent night, just just as a reminder, hey, you have this tool right here to make sure you can see your child's test scores. Or you can use this as a resource for, for um, tutoring without going and having a tutor. But um, that's just my take on these assessments. When we come back, I'm going to discuss... Also, which I didn't talk about, I want to discuss how our counselors should be evaluated. We'll be right back. So the one thing that any job does, they want to evaluate your progress and your success and grows and glows in your role in your building, in your job or your building. So I want to just briefly discuss um, ways to evaluate counselors. And since I'm in Georgia, I want to go over the council key standards. And we're going to talk about best ways to be successful in getting a good or great evaluation. If you've never been evaluating council keys, it's very thorough. It's based on the ASCA model and it's very fair. So that means you should have an oppor ample opportunity to at least earn threes in each area. So I'm just going to name the 10 performance standards that are listed on Council Keys. You could just Google it. Um, some states, I don't know what other states use. That's probably something I need to bring on other experts or other councils from various states to talk about their evaluation processes and how they evaluate and how they see that as a plus or minus for their program. Of course, Council Keys in Georgia is not mandated by all 161 counties in Georgia. Each LEA is has preference into what tool they can use. But Council Keys is the more effective tool for valuing council because it's based on the ASCA model, not based on something something else so we, without further ado we're just gonna go open the names of the 10 standards and each each episode we're gonna visit those 10 standards to how you can get a three or four give different examples on how you could get a three or four on your evaluation performance standard one is professional knowledge which is part of the foundation system um, standard two of course is instructional planning Standard three is instructional strategies, which is the delivery system, and standard four is individualized instruction, which is part of the delivery system. Now, the, you might hear delivery or foundation. Some of these things, the terms might be a little antiquated because ASCA went to the fourth edition three years ago. So this tool was created for five years ago. So just just bear with it. Um, I can give you the, the ASCA name if needed. Um, stand, performance standard five is data collection, which is accountability and management system, which is manage. You have data evaluation, manage. You have positive learning environment, which is foundations. Uh, delivery system for number eight is college and career readiness, which is deliver. Uh, 
performance standard nine is professionalism, which is a foundation system, and communication, which is a man is delivery and management system. So, so those are the top ten things we are talking about um, as far as the evaluation tool for Georgia. Um, well, at Georgia Council, we're going to go through each each of those standards and see what are the best practices, the best ways to get a three level three or level four on your evaluation. Now, we'll be right back with our housekeeping items. This is the part of the show where I talk about some upcoming items that are going to be on my show. And this is what we call the housekeeping part of the show. Um, of course, you can follow me on the Twitter at Fade the PSC. You can follow me on FadeTheCouncil.Weebly.com. You can follow me on Facebook at the council at Council's Connection with Fabian Vix. Uh, we are looking at using YouTube as a new resource as far as doing recorded podcasts and then streaming it on YouTube. Um, looking at doing that a little bit later on this year, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, future upcoming episodes, we're going to have Steve Sharp and Caroline Perry. We're going to be talking about comic books. So this is a, a tradition unlike any other. We do this every year. We're going to tie in some Marvel shows and relate it to school counseling. That is something I look forward to every year, and I cannot wait for it. Um, also, on August the 2nd, I will be on the Keys to Success podcast with Terrell Key. I'm a counselor turned administrator, which is going to be very interesting because he wants to talk about creating harmony with the counselor principal relationship, which is what I present, which myself and Diana Virgil present on at the American School Council Association Conference. Um, we also quote in the K-12 Dive article. I'll put that in the counselors on my Weebly page soon. Um, of course, on uh, future episode, we're going to talk about cognitive dissonance. Um, I might start delving into DEI. I haven't had a need to talk about DEI, but we need to look at DEI from a different perspective than race and gender equality. Not gender, well, gender equality, yes, but a different perspective as far as equability in um, school counselor roles and school counselor positions and what can we do, which goes back to a podcast that we did with uh, Muna and Jason Kabuda. On top of um, growing male counselors in each district and finding different ways to do it, um, we're gonna have a lot of things this year. Um, of course, you know I always love for administrators and district personnel to pop in my podcast so we could talk about the roles of counselor, how do they, how do their, how their relationships are shaped into creating a a safe and a, a successful environment for our students. Um, of course, you can follow me on the Twitter at Fade the PSC. Like I said, Facebook, you can follow podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and, of course, Apple Podcasts. We'll be right back with my final thoughts on HodgePodge things for now. Be right back. Faye's final thought. I know I said there's going to be a hodgepodge on different items, but I'm going to go ahead and just concentrate on one thing, which you're probably going to hear on another podcast tomorrow. So, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson have been in the news the last week, week and a half. Um, Kyler Murray um, signed a contract earlier this week with a clause for him to study four hours a week outside of the practice facility. Lamar Jackson... 
Um, still does not have a deal completed yet, but anonymous source said if you can win the MVP eight times, you cannot win with him. Patrick Mahomes, he's not a tier one quarterback. He is tier two if you take away his first read from when he runs plays on a passing play. This is this is so so long in so many areas. I don't want to delve into race, but we are gonna delve into it. We have never I've never heard in my 44 years of living heard about a white quarterback having a clause in his contract saying he got to study four hours a week outside the practice facility. Ever. I've heard of, you know, motorcycle riding clauses, um, Ben Roethlisberger's, um, some other people, Jay, Jay Williams could have used it on his. He would still, he'd probably be still playing or probably on a different career track. Zion Williamson has a weight clause in his contract, which is fair because he is 290 pounds, and the, his weight is probably what what aided his foot being injured last year, which caused him to miss the entire season. But we look at African American quarterbacks still being questioned to present day. Doug Williams, Russell Wilson. Colin Kaepernick, Cordell Stewart. Those four black quarterbacks played or was on teams that went to the Super Bowl. Jacoby Brissett, he was on the Patriots team that, that won Super Bowl when he was down 28-3 to the Falcons. Sorry, Falcons fans, had to bring it up. Why are we still disparaging the competency of black quarterbacks. Why are we making us round hole try to fit a square peg in it? The Ravens got it right when they built basically essentially a team around Lamar Jackson. He went 32nd in the draft five years ago. Same draft they had Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. Josh Rosen just came back to lead sign with the, the Browns and Baker Mayfield got traded to the Panthers where Sam Darnold was traded to the Panthers last season. I know this is a school counts podcast, but I'm going somewhere. When are we going to stop trying to make square holes fit round pegs? I know I said earlier, use a round hole to to fit square pegs in it. Same difference. Same difference. We have to make sure that our counseling program fits the needs of our building. We can't show what we feel is needed for the counseling program where I have a 70% African American demographic. But I'm trying to talk about blah, blah, blah. I have a diverse population where my, where my Asian and Hispanic demographic is double the Caucasian demographic. I have to make sure that I meet the needs of every student. I have to make sure my comprehensive program fits. I can't make sure that that I'm safe and it's not me, but another counselor or those counselors out there that might be 
anti-LGBTQ or don't believe they support the student but they don't support the student fit my thought process we have to make sure that we look at every student differently to make sure our program fits the needs of all students just like these NFL teams can't expect a quarterback to fit their needs of their their offense and they have a different skilled quarterback yeah you could grow them to the skilled Steve um, Steve Young known as a running quarterback when he was in Tampa Bay the reason why because he was running for his life because Tampa Bay was atrocious back in the 80s got traded to the 49ers grown him to be a passing quarterback but still was able to use his skill set as a runner when needed Why can't we create opportunities for these quarterbacks to showcase their skills for the team? You drafted him for a reason. Why can't our school counseling programs be catered to what we need for our students, not for what we want for our students? Why can't we do that? We need to make sure that we are there for our students in various ways and think outside the box of what we think is needed for our building when we need to see what the students need in the building. It's always been my goal as a counselor, not what I think is needed because that's what needs assessments are for. That's why we have needs assessments. That's why we ask students what's the best thing that, that works for them. Differentiating instruction. That's what differentiating instruction is for. To make sure all students' gaps are closed. So until we learn that, we still going to be trying to fit square pegs and round holes. That's my podcast for today. I want to thank you for listening. And I'm out.